Welcome back to A View From The Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. Today, Jen, we're going to talk about dragons. We're going to talk about dungeons. We're going to talk about thieves. We're going to talk about honor. <laughs> In the aptly named Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. We are. This is a fantasy movie, which should be right up my alley, right? One would think. I guess we'll find out. I guess we are going to find out. (laughs) So what's your experience with Dungeons and Dragons? There was one night, I think, last summer that Miles got a Stranger Things Dungeons and Dragons set, I think, for a gift. Yeah. And you guys talked me into trying to play this. (laughs) That was it? That's all your experience with D&D? I was so confused. I had no idea what was happening. Everything was like chaos. I I don't even know what we did. So I don't even know if what we did was really Dungeons and Dragons or not. But that is literally my experience with the game. <laughs> I've I've never played it. Not that I'm opposed to it. It looks like it would be a fun game to play. But it seems like it's one that you really have to be kind of creative with what you're doing and kind of being creative on the fly like that isn't really my strong suit. So Mm. I think I would struggle with this game a little bit. Gotcha. Gotcha. How about you? I played, I started playing Dungeons and Dragons at a young age, like a lot of young men in the late 80s, early 90s. Dungeons and Dragons was all the rage back in the day role-playing games in general. So I I played a lot. I had the opportunity to play even with one of the guys that wrote a lot of the Dragonlance novels and the Neverwinter novel. I don't know if he did Neverwinter. He did a bunch of the fantasy novels that came out related to to Dungeons & Dragons. His name was Doug Niles. I think he's still alive, as a matter of fact. But he lived down the street from my aunt in Delavan, Wisconsin. And we got to go and go to his house and play Dungeons and Dragons at his house. It was kind of cool. Yeah. We got to hang out there and, and and chit-chat and do all kinds of fun stuff there. And my friends and I, every Friday night at Superior Comics and Lockerman, on Lockerman Street in downtown Dover, Delaware, we were there playing role-playing games, one shape or another, mostly Dungeons and Dragons. And when I wasn't there playing role-playing games, I was playing role-playing games at my house, Either this or another TSR game, Marvel Super Heroes, the role-playing game that came out in the 88, 89 time frame, I think, something like that. Capitalizing, of course, on the craze of Dungeons & Dragons. So, yeah, this was this was part of the whole satanic panic of the, the 80s. You remember that, right? This was leading everyone to devil worship. And, uh, I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but behold my dark lord! I mean... <laughs> Uh-huh. I mean, you know, it never really affected me that way, so I don't know. I I would say for the most part, it wasn't affecting people that way. It's just, <laughs> it was a good scapegoat for people who were scared of other things going on in the world, but, you know. That seems to happen a lot. What's up with that? I don't know. I have no idea. We should, we should have a segment called, What's Up With That? <laughs> Maybe we should. Maybe we should, so. All right, all right. Uh, now, any any Dungeons and Dragons movies before this? Now there was a trilogy of Dungeons and Dragons movies. There back, were three of them. Apparently so. Back I noped out of there as soon as I found out that it was Marlon Wayans. I was like, no thanks. 
All right, I was going to ask you, have you seen those? No. I saw the trailer. I knew right from the trailer there's no fucking way I'm watching this movie. It looks like garbage. I did not realize there was other movies before this. Of course, when I was doing my research for this movie, came across that. Hmm. So yesterday, I was like, hmm, maybe I should watch one of these and give it a shot. And I think Amazon Prime, you could get the 2000, the first one. There, it was free, you know, there's a rent credit thing, you get it for free, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Totally worth it. And I think I got 20 minutes in. It was really bad. I yeah, mean, I know. It, it was, the dialogue was all clunky, the, I don't know, it was weird. So I stopped watching it. I was, it was not okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just seeing the trailer, I knew instantly that this is going to be a stinker and i was not about to waste any brain power eye power ear power any of it i wasn't going to waste any of my time on that you can't get that back you can't get that time back no and to clarify this dungeons and dragons is not related to that dungeons and dragons this is just completely redoing the series it's the reboot it's not like connected to it any in any way nor does it have to be i mean if there's anything about dungeons and dragons is that it doesn't have to be connected there are some connections you can make connections but every individual story is either something that the that your dm made up or you as a dm made it up or made up dm is dungeon master for anybody listening that doesn't know that The person who runs the game is called a dungeon master. He's the person in charge, or she is the person in charge, telling the story and moving the plot forward as you, with your cohorts, make decisions that will either lead you to certain doom or lots and lots of treasure, usually. (laughs) So, But anyway, because of the nature of this game, you don't need to have a connected universe. So... Let me ask you this. How much research have you done about the older Dungeons and Dragons movies? And you said, because you said they were a trilogy. The first Mm -hmm. three were a trilogy. Are they all related? Yes, I believe so. I believe because they keep calling it a trilogy Uh whenever I read about it. And then there's also a cartoon that came out on TV between that trilogy and this movie. Well, there was a cartoon in the 80s when I was a kid, maybe in the early 90s. I'm pretty sure there was a cartoon. Back then, I don't remember watching it. I know I know my brother watched it. He was big into Dungeons and Dragons, even more than me. And he had all of the books. He hmm. had all the books. I don't know if he still has them or not, but interesting. A lot of them aren't in print anymore. So if he does have them, he's probably sitting on a gold mine. But if he doesn't have them, he probably threw them away or gave them away, and probably regrets that. I've been there. <laughs> Well, why don't you tell us who's in this? It's not Marlon Wayans, right? Just tell me there's no Marlon Wayans Well, you in should know. You saw this movie. Yeah, I know. So. But sometimes <laughs> you get like a little cameo that I don't know about. Maybe Marlon Wayans plays a dragon. I don't know. Is Marlon Wayans in this movie? He is not. Okay, good. I feel like he's the... Nothing against Marlon Wayans. I think he's a funny guy. But I feel like he's the curse to the, dun- to the Dungeons & Dragons franchise as far as film goes. All right, this movie was directed by John Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Now, these two have previously worked together. They have written movies such as Horrible Bosses, Game Night, and Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming, you say? Yes. Interesting. They wrote this movie along with Michael Gilio, I believe his, his name. 
If it's not, he's going to be listening to this or, going, son of a bitch. Maybe Gilio? <laughs> Gelato? Jaleo. Jaleo? Jaleo? <laughs> Could be Jaleo. Potato. Probably not potato. All right. Well, whatever it is, potato, if you screwed it up, he's probably listening and he's definitely pissed <laughs> off. Just remember that while you're finishing your thing there. He's listening and he's pissed. All right. This movie stars Chris Pine as Edgen, Michelle Rodriguez as Holga, Reggae Jean Page as Zank, Justice Smith as Simon, Sophia Lillis as Doric, Hugh Grant as Forge, Chloe Coleman as Kira. And Daisy Head as Sophina. Yes, it does. And we get a little bit of Bradley Cooper in here, too. Oh, yeah. Bradley Cooper's in it, right? Yes. As like a tiny person. And, and when we were watching this. Is he this, an elf? I said, is that Bradley Cooper? And you're like, what? Is it? And then we had to look it up because he's so little. Yeah, it was hard to tell for guy. sure. But yeah. yeah, Bradley Cooper's in here. What? What does, he, does it say what race he was in that? I mean, it just says who he is. It doesn't say what he is. Every, okay, so here's I something about Dungeons know. and Dragons. Here's something about Dungeons and Dragons. Everything is class and race. Okay, so you can be an orc warrior or you can be a human, you know, paladin or you can be an elf mage right so so when i ask what was he i'm not like trying to be all like that guy's little he's a tiny guy no it's more of a what race of character was he right and I, I, they never I mention it. it do they they might but i don't i don't know that i picked that up hmm. so i didn't either i didn't either yeah that dude's in everything He's in everything. What happened? That's when okay, did Bradley though. Cooper be in everything, guy? I'm okay with that. I'm fine with it, too. I've got a huge <laughs> man crush on Bradley Cooper. But here's the thing. When did that happen? It was just so subtle. Like, all of a sudden, Bradley Cooper's in everything. Yeah. This movie is set in the Forgotten Realms. The directors, when they were writing this, said Dungeons & Dragons has this massive world. Mm -hmm. And to try and cover everything in one movie would be impossible. And would make the movie all over the place. Yes, so they decided to set this in the Forgotten Realms, which I'm assuming you heard of. I have no idea what this means. Neverwinter but... specifically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Neverwinter is a region of the Forgotten Realms. Forgotten Realms is a, is a is a part of the Dungeons and Dragons world that actually has like its own like segment of like the books and then like there's mo modules that you can play that are specifically Forgotten Realms stuff. There are people that very much only play Forgotten Realms stuff because I think, I'm trying to remember, God, it's been, folks, it's been 30 years since I've played a regular Dungeons & Dragons game. The game that Miles and I played was Stranger Things themed. It had to do with, like, Demogorgons and stuff like that. So it was very much keyed towards people that had seen the kids playing Dungeons & Dragons on Stranger Things mm -hmm. and were like, oh, I think I can do that. And so then they got this, which is exactly how they got Miles. But Miles now, now it should be noted, my son, he plays Dungeons and Dragons every week now with his friends. He's in a group. He's in a group that plays Dungeons. I witnessed this group and it was like looking back through the sands of time <laughs> to see me and my friends huddled around the table in the Superior Comics back room playing Dungeons and Dragons over dice and... All that was missing was like an old-fashioned Cheetos bag and like some soda cans. That's all that was missing. So, yeah. 
Anyway. All right. Should we talk about the movie? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to finish up what I was saying about oh. Forgotten Realms. Is, uh, so I don't really remember exactly what it was about Forgotten Realms that drew people there. Like, the players really wanted to play in Forgotten Realms. I was more of a standard Dungeons & Dragons because I think the Forgotten Realms rules started to get a little wonky. A little more wonky than the D&D rules. And... So it was a little more difficult and required a little bit more attention. And as a 16-year-old, attention is hard to come by. So for some people, for me specifically. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so yeah. So yes, let's let's dive in. Let's talk about this. So we open with an homage to Jurassic Park. Did you catch this? They're, they're transferring a prisoner into a prison in a giant steel cage that they have a bunch of guys sliding up to a door, and then they pop the door open and send the guy in. This is exactly how Jurassic Park opens. It is. We and just talked about Jurassic Park. There's, there's a few other references. I'm not probably going to remember what they are, but they're kind of homages to Jurassic Park through this. There's, th- I think, three of them. There. Really? Yeah. That was What's one the deal? Them. Why? Did they say why? Did you hear anything about? No, they didn't really say why. They huh. just, you know, they they did cite the Princess Bride, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Lord <laughs> of the Rings, Indiana Jones, and Jurassic Park as influences on the film. Interesting. I wonder what why Jurassic Park and how does Jurassic Park mix with Monty Python and Indiana Jones? I mean, that is a, that's a weird weird yeah, they said they had to toe the line because they wanted they they really wanted to have the Monty Python influence on this, but they didn't want it to become a joke. Like they were trying to make a movie that was still serious in tone, but had the comedy there, but they didn't want it to be overly like making fun of Dungeons and Dragons. They didn't they didn't want to come across as making fun of the game. Okay. Sure. I don't feel like they've they came across as making fun of the game, but I definitely feel like maybe they, they stepped a little too far over the line with comedy because everything was a joke in this movie. It opens with a joke. After the ogre gets in there into the prison, we see we meet our main characters, Edgin and Holga, who are in the cell with him, and he makes a pass at Holga, and Holga beats him up. A little bit later, we get to see Edgin and Holga in front of the Council of Absolution. And Edgin Edgin recounts his tale of woe while waiting nervously for a person named Jarnathan to show up. So basically, what were you going to look like? You were going to say something. Say, what were you going to say? Yeah. So in... In the board game, yeah. or in the role-playing game, because I guess it's not really a board game, no. but Jonathan is an Aarakocra. Is that how you say that? I think so. And in, so I would have said it. <laughs> and in the game, they are a free-spirited people who abhor confinement and pr- imprisonment. So a viewer that has knowledge of this game would think that that's why he was wanting Jonathan to be there. Right. Not necessarily that to, they were going to try and escape the way they did. Right. Yeah, I thought I thought to my I thought basically, yeah, he's going to be the one that's going to like advocate for them. Right. To get out. Yeah. So, basically, Edgin his wife Zia was killed when a group of red wizards attacked their home, and so he took up arms with Holga along with wizard Simon and rogue Forge to commence stealing to make ends meet. The group gets propositioned by the wizard Sophina 
to help her rob Corrin's keep. And Edgin is enticed by the Tablet of Reawakening, which can raise the dead and is stored at the keep. And during the raid, Sophina turns on the group and casts a time-free spell, trapping Edgin and Holga. But Forge and Simon escape with the tablet, and Edgin asks Forge to look after Kira, his and Zia's daughter. So, this, while this is all going on, I'm thinking to myself, this has got to be bullshit. He's a bard. He's a storyteller. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. He's got to be full of shit, right? This has got to be fake. This has got to be a made-up thing to try and, you know, appease the court. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. It wasn't a fake at all. It was real. This is where they're going to pick up. Because next thing you know, Jonathan shows up, and the, Edgin and Holga grab him and jump out the window. And in order to save all three of them, Jonathan has to fly. So he flies because he's, you know, he's a bird-like creature, and he, he, he basically... <laughs> Saves them all because he wants to save his own life. But if they would have just waited a few seconds longer, they right. would have been pardoned anyway. Yeah, I mean, the stamp was almost down, you know. And they the... did stamp it. They just hadn't told them. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, finally free, Edgin and Holga. Now, let me ask you this real quick before I jump into this next part. Because they escaped with Jarnathan, but they already were pardoned, is this even an escape? Well, yeah, because now they are like wanted people. How can they, they be escaped. wanted? They were told they could. They All they have to do is rip it up. All rip it up. That's BS. How could that even be? Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, we were going to pardon you, but instead you decided to jump out the window after we had pardoned you, but hadn't told you about it. They put so Jonathan's now you're a prisoner life again. at risk. They almost killed him. Jonathan's a bird. He can fly. <laughs> How is his life at risk? How is his life at risk? I don't know. It's kind of goofy. But anyways, they they decided they are now wanted people again. (laughs) So they start their search for Forge so that they can reclaim the tablet and get Kira back. But they discover that Forge is now the Lord of Neverwinter. I'm not sure how that happened. But later on, we're going to find out how it did. Did we ever get a time frame on how long they were in this prison? I want to say it was a year or two, but it wasn't it wasn't that long because so, the child doesn't age a lot. But okay. for some reason I was thinking he said something about a couple years at one okay. point, but I didn't catch that and so I was thinking what they were just in jail. Why is this such a big deal, right? Like wh- what what's the big deal here, you know? Yeah. So I I think I want to say 2 years or less. Hmm. Okay. So not very long, but definitely more than 30 days. Yes. Right? They weren't in, like, the stir for 30 days, and then they busted out, and they went back, and Forge is suddenly the Lord of Neverwinter. So now it makes more sense in my head that Forge can be the Lord of Neverwinter. I mean, you don't just show up and be like, hey, guess what? I'm the Lord. Yeah. So, uh, you know, follow my lead. Well, there was things that happened that he made happen to get there, but... Right. So... They travel to Neverwinter and reunite with Kira, who thinks that Edgin abandoned her for his own selfish reasons rather than for this tablet. It's she didn't even know about Forge the tablet. Forge the jerk was yeah. lying to her. Yeah, Forge was... So basically what happened is Forge used the riches from Corrin's Keep to make himself the Lord of Neverwinter, and he has been working with Sophina, the wizard that trapped the rest of his cohorts there. Now, he's a rogue. He's going to do shit like this. 
if you ally with a rogue, you have to expect that at some point they're going to turn on you. He even says that. Yeah. <laughs> like, why never trust a rogue? Do you know how I know? I always played a rogue. That does not surprise me. No, why would it? Why would that surprise you? Now, I also have played paladins, which is a weird contradiction and, you know, ways to play things. But Because paladins are very rule-bound. And rogues are like, hmm, I'm going to do whatever I feel that like doing like today. sounds like something that'd be a good character for me. Very paladin? Ro- yeah. Ro- oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> you are definitely a paladin. You're definitely a paladin. I yeah. just want to stop real quick and talk about Hugh Grant here. I thought this was weird to see him in this movie, but... Man, I think he's having some fun with this because he seems to, I don't know, I, I thought he did a good job with the role he was given here. <laughs> he's, you know what, I've never been a huge Hugh Grant fan, but I've never, been a, I've never been like a huge Hugh Grant detractor either. Yeah, me he's either. Just he's there. just there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, oh yeah, that's that Hugh Grant guy. Yeah, so like, but like, remember in the 90s, like he was all the rage, like yeah. he was in every romantic comedy you could think of. That's because he's very handsome. Well, okay. And he's got a British accent. Okay, so there's that, right? <laughs> but like, I, I mean, I don't restrict myself on what type of movie I'll watch. I'll watch whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch a lot of the 90s romantic comedies because they and tended to be, yeah. yeah, and that's where he was. Yeah. They tended to be a lot of re- repetition, you know? Oh, yeah, they are all about the same. Yeah. And so I never really watched it. I never really had an exposure to him. He wasn't a big thing. I wasn't like, oh, it's Hugh Grant. I should go and see this, right? Even when he was in, like, some little indie film, it was just that one dude that's in those other movies. I, I, like, Hugh Grant is not a big deal to me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't see this as a huge get. Do you see this as a huge get or a weird thing? You said you said it just feels like a weird thing to see him in something like this. Well, yeah, because I've, I've known him mostly for romantic comedies, mm. and this is not that. And he seems, I don't know him personally, but he seems <laughs> like he's like a very proper person, and this seems more like a fun movie. But isn't like, that his persona in those movies? It like, could isn't be, that but like, like when you like, see him in some interviews and stuff, he seems the same way. It's just because he's British. Uh, he's be. just British. Okay. Come on. Anyways, I enjoyed Hugh yeah. Grant in this movie. Oh, I That's think he did a good I'm job too. Yeah, with I, I think he did a good job too. Absolutely, I, I think he was. <laughs> I think he was very good at doing the play both sides, and so he always comes out on top. Thing he's he plays a shit person real well. Oh yeah, smarmy definitely yes, up his. Yeah. He's definitely a good smarmy <laughs> player, a good smarmy actor. Excuse me. So Edian learns that Forge has been telling Kira that he was arrested for stealing riches and not the tablet, but Edgin and Holda attempt to get to Forge to kind of like take the revenge, but but Sophina acts and she basically turns the floor to sand not yeah, lava like a, yeah like a quicksand sand yeah like quicksand yeah. traps them there mm-hmm. and they you know they're gonna go to prison but Sophina's like no no execute them so the guards are going to execute them just kind of out in the middle of nowhere like in an alley <laughs> you're in an alley they're gonna like behead them in an alley but Holga manages to fight them off and Edgin manages to, at some point, free himself while Polga is doing the work. while she takes out the yeah. rest. <laughs> yeah, she's doing all the heavy work. And, yeah. I think that's kind of their relationship, though. Like, well, she's, she's a barbarian. The, so... She's the muscle and yeah. he's the Brains. planner. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's the brains and she's the muscle. But they, together, they're the ones that kind of come up with their whole plan to heist the the, mm-hmm. the, the tablet yep. and get Kira back. But they need a team. So they track down Simon, who is now putting on magic shows so that he can rob the audience blind with a spell while he's doing, like, basically fireworks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, showing you fireworks, and meanwhile, he's robbing you blind. Yeah. Look over here. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that distraction. Look at that misdirection. And uh, he suggests Doric, who is a druid that Simon is in love with, who is also a shapeshifter. She has her own reasons to want to take down Forge, so she agrees to join the group. Now, her people had been jailed for voicing their concern with Forge being the lord, new lord of winter. Questioning of, uh, how Neverwinter. he came yeah. to power. Questioning his methods the, you know, there are some interesting little, like, political subtones mm-hmm. to this movie when you look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about her druid here real quick. Yeah. So, in the game, in the official rules of the game, a mm-hmm. druid cannot turn into an owl bear. A druid can only turn into a beast and eventually an elemental. Mm-hmm. But the owlbear is classified as monstrosity, mm-hmm. and a druid character cannot take the shape of those particular creatures. So in the game, that apparently is against the official rules, is well, what I'm reading. Okay, so druids, I think, well, think about like a druid is more like a monk almost. Mm-hmm. So a druid is going to be more lawful good than anything else. And if, if an owl bear is classified as a monstrosity, that is definitely not lawful good. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Did they did they did you have any insight as to why they break the rules and I didn't let that happen? find anything about that. Okay. But I have to say I love the owl bear. That's I think that's gotta be my favorite creature in there. There are all kinds of awesome creatures in Dungeons and Dragons. Many of them start with the word where <laughs> <laughs> Were bear, werewolf were tiger there's even a were elephant i'm not sure i don't remember it's been a while <laughs> so unbeknownst to forge sophina has been plotting with her master saz tam i think is how you pronounce it and they plan to use the forthcoming high sun games to enslave the population of neverwinter and turn them into the undead because they're red wizards, and that's what red wizards do. Okay. Sophina then joins Forge after talking to her master, and she's gonna. They're gonna. They're discussing the plans for the games, how it's gonna go down, and all that stuff. But she detects Doric, who has been shapeshifted into a fly. Is it? Was she? Was she a fly? Yeah, I think. A f- and fly she or had some bug of some. Kind, yeah, yeah, and she had flown in and was literally a fly on the wall, listening to what's going on. And this big chase ensues where Doric has to change a bunch of different times into a bunch of different things to get out of the uh, out of Forge's like stronghold. It was a pretty cool thing, right? Like a pretty cool chase, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I I thought that was fun to see different creatures yeah. that are not normal ones that you see in real life. Like these are right. your Dungeons and Dragons, except for the eagle. Now, well, and the deer, and the deer. but but there was definitely ones in there that you know, oh yeah I don't know definitely. what the heck that thing is but definitely sure. now what this does is it it sets up Doric 
and sets up her power set, right? Because up until that point, we'd only seen her as the owl bear. Well, and the horse, because she was the horse first, and then oh, right. turned yeah. into the owl bear. So now we know that she can just shapeshift into whatever she needs to shapeshift into for whatever reason, which mm-hmm. is a nice little MacGuffin type thing, right? It's the <laughs> oh, you it need to be a worm. Guess what? <laughs> you can be a worm. Oh, you need to be a bear. Oh, you're a bear. So. Yeah, it definitely comes in handy. I wonder if she had to roll initiative to be able to do that. That's my real question. Nobody rolled any dice in this. What up with that? They wanted to keep this true to the game. Where's the dice? I don't know. Yeah, that's right. True to the game, my <laughs> ass. So Doric escapes, and she tells the crew that Forge's vault, which is where they are keeping the tablet, is protected by the arcane seal of Morden Canaan. But Simon thinks he can get in but he's going to need a helmet of disjunction to break the seal but one of those hasn't been seen since holga's people died fighting the cult of the dragon another very convenient little tie back or, yeah you know, where nobody's heard of it for years but she has holga has <laughs> yes convenient which kind of works uh, sometimes the DM has to influence things a little bit right. to get the story to move along. I was just going to say that. I feel like that would be a true thing in the game that happens at times to get people where you want that story to go next. In in the game that I was watching Miles play last night, his a creature attacked them, and one of the kids that was playing with them said... It looks just like the thing that was in that dream that I had. And the teacher who was helping the game along said, it's almost as if that dream was prophetic in some way. <laughs> so, yes, this is this is pretty standard for Dungeons yep. & Dragons. It is theatrical shorthand. Mm-hmm. But for a game, a movie based on a game where you just kind of have to nudge people sometimes, yeah, it works. I'll yeah. I'll allow it, you know. It didn't bother me either. So they go to a graveyard and they Simon uses a spell to raise some of the dead. This graveyard for Holga's people. The, the, it raises the dead, but they will only stay alive for five questions. Okay, so this area is where you get the heavy Monty Python influence. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was cackling. I really loved this. I thought this was funny, they, too. They, because what what happened was the first, the first guy they raise, they're asking questions like, Am I allowed to ask him this? And the guy would be the, the dead guy would say yes, and he's like, "That's not a question, is it?" And the guy would say, "Of course it was." Yeah. Like so, that's two questions down. So like, you know, it definitely has that Monty Python, yeah. you know, kind of fast and furious yeah. little bitty jokes coming one at a time, you know. But yeah, and and we're even going to get a Monty Python esque joke at the very end of this movie after the credits that involves this. One of the guys was only asked four questions. Yeah. And he's yep. going to show up at the end going, does anybody want to ask me one more question? Anyone? <laughs> Nobody? All right. So the makeup on all of these different characters, they did one bodysuit for all the different people. The dead guys? The dead guys. Okay. And then they just changed up the the teeth and like the facial hair a little bit. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that way, 
I suppose you don't have to recreate all these, and they all look different. To saving me. some budget there, yeah. you know. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Got to save some budget, right? So they their questioning leads them to the paladin Zenk Yendar. Oh, he's who, a paladin. Yes, okay. he's a paladin, which makes I sense, didn't right? Catch that, but oh, yes, yeah. that makes mm. that makes lots of now sense. Now you see what a rule follower does okay. in Dungeons and Dragons, yes. right? What did he? Well, because eventually he's going to. They're going to go after. They're going to go to him because he promised to keep the helmet safe. And Zenk tells the group the history of the Red Wizards, and then he says, "I'm going to join them, but only if the wealth that you take from this keep gets redistributed to the people of Neverwinter." Now that is a paladin move, right there. That's a paladin move. Okay. Robin Hood, Paladin. Definitely. Okay. Yep. So. Uh, making sense. Ah, all it's right. all connecting. <laughs> it's all connecting. So they, he takes them to the underground layer of Thimberchowd, but they have to go through the orifice first to get to it, which I thought was <laughs> funny as hell. The like orifice. Simon, like, I'll go last. Yeah. <laughs> the orifice. Yeah. So they they get in there, they find the helmet, they get attacked by Thayans who are, they're the same race as Zank, but they are corrupted by the Red Wizards. So they're after them, and then while they're getting attacked by that, Themberchowd, who is a morbidly obese dragon, chases them and does away with the Thayans, but also gets them stuck in like this area that's filling up with water and they have to do this whole thing where they they yeah. escape eventually yeah eventually they escape and simon uh, does magic and gets them out of simon there. simon does magic and gets them out of there so now they've got the helmet simon though finds that he can't attune to the helmet because his ancestors don't believe that he has what it takes and that's because he doesn't believe that he has what it takes. ah it's all within you the whole time right <laughs> come on simon you've got it now what did you think of that dragon the dragon was goofy now the reason why it looks the way it looks is they were trying to come up with something you haven't seen on the screen before mission accomplished yeah as far as the dragon goes so that's why it is a a bigger dragon yeah is (laughs) is because we haven't seen an overweight dragon. A big old fatty fat dragon. Yeah. Now think about it though. If you were sitting around just guarding like riches mm-hmm. and all you were doing was sit around eating. <laughs> I mean, look at yes. like during tax season, I pack on a few pounds because all I'm doing is sitting around guarding other people's riches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am basically a dragon during tax season. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway. Your uh, new title for next year on your business card is going to go. Dragon. <laughs> Dragon. <laughs> so the team devises a plan using a hither-thither staff, which cre- creates portals to get into Forge's vault. But the plan falls flat when the portal ends up blocked, so they have to improvise. And they use illusion spells from Simon to try and get past these guards. This part was goofy as hell, and I was there for it. I was there for it 100%. Yeah, it was really goofy. It was dumb, because basically they're sneaking in, but But it made got... sense why it was dumb. Sure, yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> Simon gets his foot stuck, and so he can't maintain the illusion, so the illusion of Edgin playing his lute and serenading the, the guards starts to kind of lose its consistency and yeah. just kind of drag <laughs> out, and it's... 
it's it was pretty amusing. There's even some fun outtakes of Chris Pine hamming it up for that. Bit, yeah, I just, guess. So. just doing his thing, I guess. Chris Pine being Chris Pine. So they get captured again, though, after they find the vault empty. Forge plans to imprison them, but Edgin gets him to agree to let them compete in the games instead. So they're placed in the Coliseum, and Doric tells them that she saw Forge's men relocating the treasure to a boat, and he plans to steal everything from the folks, the rich people that are attending the games. So everything that he had and more, mm-hmm. he's taking. The team manages to escape the maze, and they steal the boat loaded with riches, just as Sophina is enacting her evil plan. So they are almost out of there, but something, some sort of some sort of honor amongst these thieves <laughs> draws them back. Back to the maze real quick. Yeah. I liked how they got them all together, and they had to work together to get through this maze because my understanding is again that's something that's pretty big in the game yes just i know i've i know i've touched on this a couple times already but last night the game that miles and his friends were playing one of the friends was trying to attack this creature which was 10 feet tall good three to four feet taller than any of the other ones by standing on someone else's back (laughs) (laughs) but the guy that he was trying to stand on the dude that was trying to do the standing was seven foot tall the guy that he was standing on was four feet tall and so he had to roll like a strength check to see if he'd be able to do it and if he didn't he'd get flattened so they were like now okay we're not we're not doing that so yes yes teaming up (laughs) is all part of dungeons and dragons guys so yes so the team heads back into neverwinter to take care of sofina once and for all and there's a huge fight during which Holga is mortally wounded in the inevitable victory. Because, of course, they're going to win, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, realizing that Holga was more of a mother to Kira than Kira's own mother was, because she was there. You know, Kira's mom died when she was really little. She was just a baby. She was just a baby. And Holga helped raise her. Mm-hmm. So Holga is her mother, her yeah. mom. Not her mother, but her mom, you know? Yeah. So... Edgin has to set aside his own desire to have his wife back, who would also be mom. He sets that aside to bring Holga back for his daughter. It's a very unselfish act. So if he brings back his wife, Mm -hmm. does she come back like in like full human form or is she like now zombified because she's been dead for a while? That's an interesting question. I okay. think that's up to the DM, honestly. Oh, okay. Okay. So it it really could go whatever. If it was me. There would be a twist where you bring the wife back. The wife is now zombified and probably controlled by the Red Wizards, to be honest with you. <laughs> Somehow so they cast like a spell a, on like that a skeleton. tablet. Yeah. You bring back a skeleton. That's right. So this is your wife That's now. right. Because why? <laughs> happy endings? Why? It's Dungeons and Dragons, man. Okay. The that happy... had nothing to do with the movie, but I just had Whatever. to ask quick. No, I <laughs> If I was DMing, that's how it'd go. So... Edgin revives her, and Forge tries to make a run for it, but he gets captured by Zank and Lord Neverember, who is the rightful lord of Neverwinter. He is awakened when Safina is defeated. He awards the heroes with medals. Now, we end up the same place that we started, in the courtroom. Only this time, it's Forge who is imprisoned, and he is making an appeal to the same Council of Absolution. And he tries to grab Jonathan just like Edgin did because Edgin told him the story. So yeah. he's like, it's a great idea. I'm going to do it. But 
they had all the windows removed from the chamber because of the last bust out. Probably a good idea. And he just smacks into a wall. And that's it. That's the uh, that's our dungeon and our dragons, our honor and our thieves. It's all of them, all four in one movie. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. So the and then the, then of course we get that after credit scene with the the reawakened knight that's still yeah. waiting on his last question. <laughs> He's probably still waiting, let's be honest here. So Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. What do you have for notes? Anything special that you want to I've got a couple left here we haven't talked about. Okay. Chris Pine agreed to appear in this movie because the role of Edgen is not typical for a fantasy film leading man. So he was intrigued by that. And then mm-hmm. also his nephew, he saw him playing a D&D campaign and saw how much fun his nephew was having. And, oh, yeah. and he thought, yeah, let's do sure. this. You know, that's interesting. It, it, Edgen definitely is not your typical. I mean, your your typical guy would be like the dude who's going to go and slay the dragon. He's got a sword he, and a shield and your, blah, blah, blah. You know. He'd be your Olga. Right, Holga would yeah. be the leading character yeah. in this show, in this movie if this was a traditional yep. fantasy movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I don't know if this is right. I'm hoping it is, but it sounds like all the spells that were used in the film, well, they aren't un, while they're not named, mm-hmm. they are spells that are used in the Dungeons and Dragons game. Oh, interesting. Okay. So they, I think they tried to stay true to the game. As much as they could. I, I'm sure there's probably some deviations here, in bear, like the owl bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it sounds like they they are fans of the game, and so they wanted to try and stay true to it. Now I don't have a lot of experience with magic in the game because even if I if I, if I ever did use magic, it was a dual class situation where I could use certain things, but other things I couldn't use. Mm-hmm. Usually amount amounted to what's going to make me a better fighter if I need to fight, or what's going to make me better at deceiving people if I need to deceive or something like that. So. Sure, sure. And the last little bit is this film shares shooting locations with the Harry Potter series. Ha! The Hogwarts Castle, The there's some exterior and then some hall scenes that are shared in this movie that were actually in the Harry Potter series. Interesting. So, interesting. Me as a Harry Potter fan found that interesting. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, very cool. And that is, I think, everything I have for trivia. I think I covered most of it while we were talking through here. Okay. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just had one other thing to say. I have, you know me, there's always going to be something I'm going to nitpick. And when Doric shapeshifts into the worm, how does she still have that speaking stone when she turns back to normal? Maybe it shrunk with her? I don't know. She's holding it with like a little worm hand? No, maybe it like shrunk with her i don't know turned into her she still has her clothes when she yeah that too up. right like what's up with that she goes to the owl bear and she still has clothes when she comes back yeah she busts out of the clothes to become the owl bear and so then I she comes back she's got clothes pow- part of her and that just stays with her maybe they're know. made out of unstable molecules reed richards for the win so <laughs> oh wait wrong franchise all right so no no other notes i have no other notes you're good? Okay, I'm so good. let's do our thing. Keep, rent, or erase, Jen, and why? This is a rent for me. I enjoyed it. I don't know if it's one that I'm going to do in a regular rotation, but it's definitely one I'll go watch again. It had funny parts. It had action. I thought Chris Pine was great. I thought Hugh Grant was great. 
Actually, I liked all the characters, all the actors that had the parts in here. I, I thought they all did a good job. I enjoyed this. I watched it the, twice. The first time, I would say I came out of this a little bit more lukewarm than I did the second time I watched it. But I'm yeah. wondering if I was maybe tired or something or maybe wasn't following some of this stuff. Worked better for you the second and time And then around. I did some research and then I watched it again and then some of the stuff was clicking. So maybe because I'm not a D&D player, some of the stuff didn't click with me right away because I didn't know what it meant or what they were talking about. Sure. But I feel like if I was a D&D fan you know, some of the stuff would make sense to me and I probably would enjoy it even more than probably what I did. So for me, it is a rent all the way. How about okay. you? Oh, I've had good things to say about this movie throughout this conversation, but I'm going to go with rent and here's why. And I was thinking about this today on the way home from work. I'm like, ah, we got to, we got to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Where do I fall on this? And why, why do I fall on this? I fall in rent, and, and it's because I couldn't remember a damn thing about this movie after watching it. Like, it just disappeared from my brain. And so much so that I had forgotten that Sophia Lillis was in this movie. And we just watched this, what, last week? Yeah. I'm not that type of a person that that movie just disappears from my brain. Mm -hmm. Utterly forgettable, but fun. Yeah. So it's a rent because you're going to have fun watching it, but don't expect it to stick with you. It is not a stew. It's more of a, I don't know, like a light soup, maybe a grilled cheese sandwich, you know, tastes good. It's not going to stick around. It's not going to give you a lot of protein. It's not going to give you a whole lot to chew on or think about, but it is definitely fun. The performances are, are very good for what this is. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I love the Monty Python influence to it. But it's still, it's still just a rent for me. There's nothing here that says keep it. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So what are we doing next? All right. I'm excited for this. Uh-oh. Burt Crusher's The Machine. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. All right. <laughs> so this movie sprang from a comedy routine that you shared to me, like, years ago. I didn't even know who Burt Crusher was at the time. And yeah. you shared this to me, and it's a hysterical bit. Like, yeah. it's a very funny, very funny, like, stand-up bit. But they're turning it into a movie, and I just need to know how they're going to do it. <laughs> how is that going to work? <laughs> yes. Yes. But I'm excited. Brooke Crusher, I think, is in the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Mark that. Hamill is in the movie. So Luke Skywalker's in it. I'm fucking there. So... There we have it. Okay. Right. So next week, right here on the couch, we're going to have Burt Crusher, The Machine. Thanks for listening, everybody. You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at a view from the couch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.